What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Milner. And today I am going to rewind the clock a little bit and tell you a story that I don't think I've actually ever told this story fully from start to finish. Well, I guess there's not really a finish, but I don't think I've ever gone back and like truly told the origin story of how pop came to be. I've definitely told bits and pieces of it, but I don't think I've ever told the full story. And that's what I'm going to do on this episode. Uh, This is actually on the heels of my grandfather's uh, would have been birthday. Um, I mean, it still it still is his, is his birthday. He passed away uh, actually right before I started Pop, and it is named after him. We used to call him Pop Up, uh, so I knew that I wanted to honor him by naming my business after him because of the type of person that he was. And so, December fifteenth, he would have been ninety four. And it was an emotional day for me because it's still fresh. Um, He passed away in 2018 and he was somebody that had a tremendous impact on my life. He was a mentor to me. He was somebody that I looked up to, somebody that I just had the most amount of respect possible for that, um, you know, truly was one of those figures that just seemed larger than life uh, to me. We, we all just assumed, honestly, in, in my family, we all just assumed that Pop-Up would live well into his hundreds, like he was that type of person, because even at 91, up until the day that he passed, it, it was very sudden and unexpected, um, he had more energy than all of us combined. He would still travel, he was still working, he was still, um, you know, participating in in various organizations from, you know, different charities that he was a part of to being on the board of of different organizations. He was just he was just that that type of figure that had such a profound impact on this world. And the way that I always describe it is the ripple effect where, you know, pop-up would impact somebody. And that person would impact somebody. And it was so crazy because um, he was somebody that um, his, his profession, he was a periodontist. He was, a, he was the dean for a number of years of the dental school at University of Pennsylvania. So through his work and uh, you know, through education and his practice and everything that he did, uh, he just he touched so many lives. And it was crazy because we would literally be Anywhere in the world, like we've had, we, we share these stories as a family where, you know, we could be in California or we could literally be in like Europe or anywhere overseas. It did, there was always some random occurrence where somebody would overhear a conversation that we were having or somehow we would begin talking to, you know, just random strangers and somehow through some level of, you know, however many degrees of separation they knew pop up and either he taught, you know, a family member through the dental school or he was a mentor or he was involved in something. It was just so bizarre. Uh, But that was like the ripple effect is that he impacted so many people and then those people impacted people and the ripple still carries on strong to this day. And so my business is named in his honor 
And I wanted to tell the whole origin story because uh, it's just it's just worth mentioning. It's something that I've probably uh, held out for too long in actually telling this whole story from start to finish. So um, I'm going to rewind back to how pop came to be before I even started my own business. Um, you know, I, a lot of you guys know my fitness transformation story from, you know, being an athlete growing up to ending up after college at, a, at 250 pounds and then going through the whole chronic dieting, yo-yo dieting, all that stuff to finally finding my path. And really like nutrition was always the missing piece. It became a passion of mine. So I knew for sure that I wanted to be a nutrition coach and I didn't know how I was going to make a living doing it, but I just knew that that was my calling. And I remember the day I was, I was at a small gym uh, where I worked out and, and became a personal trainer. And I remember just like connecting the dots when it came to nutrition and I called my parents and I told them that I was going to be a nutrition coach, and that was going to be my life's work. And they were very, um, a little tense, I'll say, because uh, disordered eating actually runs in my family. So um, my my older sister, my oldest sister, um, nearly lost her life to an eating disorder. And everybody in my family has been impacted in some way, shape, or form when it comes to dieting, disordered eating, Um, body image issues. We've all been affected, myself included. And so when I said, I'm going to be a nutrition coach, uh, my parents were definitely a little bit uneasy. And, uh, you know, I said, look, I, I understand the, the pitfalls. I understand the damage that the diet industry, um, does and, and the harm in, in all of the messaging that's out there. And I want to change that. And I want to be somebody who, you know, does things the right way. I want to help people the way that, you know, fitness and nutrition have helped me and I want to pay it forward. And I remember, you know, having that conversation with them. And, and then I remember a separate conversation. I was actually in the parking lot of that exact same gym talking to Mel, who is my now girlfriend. And at the time was just somebody that I knew through the gym. And, she was actually one of my very first nutrition clients, like guinea pig clients. I was just learning and, um, you know, gosh, this is probably seven years ago at this point, maybe even longer. And, uh, you know, we, she was somebody that trusted me to handle her nutrition. She was like a instant responder. And I was like, I, I remember that moment thinking I had it all figured out. But anyway, we were in the parking lot talking about it. And I said, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to find my way to, uh, to working as a nutrition coach. And I'm just going to find a way to make it work. I don't know how, but I'm going to do it. And I ended up seeing an opportunity with a company that I had been following um, for a little bit of time, just through like social media and, and kind of keeping a a pulse on what was going on uh, around me as far as like nutrition coaching, you know, what programs were out there, what coaching services were out there. I looked at a number of them and I found this opportunity and I, and I'm not going to say the name of this company. Many of you probably already know, um, maybe started following me from those days that I was working with that company, but just out of respect, because the way that things ended there, I'm going to leave their name out of it. Anyway, I told Mel, I said, I'm going to 
get a job with this company. And I don't know how, but I'm just going to make it happen. So uh, I, I set out to, you know, on that path of I knew I wanted to be a coach. I knew I wanted to help people. And I just knew I had to get my foot in the door and make a name for myself. So I ended up getting that opportunity uh, pretty much as an intern. I was like, I'm pretty sure that my original salary was $50 a week. Uh, that's what I was getting paid to be a nutrition coach for this company. And I didn't care. I honestly didn't care what the money was. I was still uh, doing some personal training and I believe I was even bartending at the time as well. So um, those are those are some fond memories of leaving the bar at 2 a.m., getting home at 2.30, uh, closing my eyes for about 90 minutes and then going to train clients first thing in the morning at the gym. Um, that was definitely pushing myself uh, way outside of what was responsible or even reasonable at the time. But um, I actually do. At, in the moment, I probably would have said I was miserable. But looking back, uh, it's, it definitely was a, uh, some fond memories. And I remember like napping in the office at the gym and, and all the crazy shit that we do. And we're just trying to, to figure out a path. And that was, uh, yeah. So anyway, that, that was kind of how I got started with personal training and I was still supplementing my income with bartending. So, um, anyway, I get hired by, you know, from this, by this company and they're paying me $50 a week and I'm still training at the gym. And I remember just knowing that I had to separate myself from everybody else because there was a, a lot of coaches that were involved. And I knew for me, it was about relationships. And, you know, that was the one advantage that I felt like I had was somebody who has always been in love with psychology and like how our brains work and why we do things the way that we do. And so I really brought that kind of approach to this company. And I feel like that's what separated me relatively quickly. Um, within two years, I went from intern making $50 a week to lead coach making a six-figure salary. So I ended up being, you know, the one of the lead coaches on the team. I actually ended up owning a small percentage of the company, like two and a half percent, nothing, no big deal, but just to, you know, the the journey from intern to six making six figures, doing what I wanted to do, what I was passionate about. Um, I didn't think that it would happen that quickly, but um, you know, I just I busted my ass. I think, you know, the biggest thing when I when I look back at how that all came to be. It was really just volunteering to do whatever was required. It didn't matter. Like if there was ever something and the owner was like, look, I need somebody to volunteer for this, I would always throw my name in the hat. And I just, and, and then the relationship building, the psychology side of things, like actually getting to know people and truly believing in individualized coaching. Um, unfortunately, that company decided to move in a direction that was in total moral um, disagreement with me. And what I mean by that is in the beginning, you know, they were very much about, uh, about eating more to fuel your body and supporting your metabolism and that sort of thing. But it, it, it you know, kind of got too big for their own good. Um, they decided to move in a direction of automation. And, and I'm talking about automation in the worst way, like 
very systematic. Everything had to follow this exact formula to a T. And as coaches, you were not allowed to stray from that that system. Everything had to be like everyone follows the same formula. Everyone follows the same structure. Um, for example, if we were going to do fat loss for an individual, it had to be the same number of days across the board, which if you just think about that logically, it makes no sense whatsoever. You know, we're all so different. Human metabolism is so, you know, it, it, there's so much individual variance. Like how could you possibly think that it's a good idea to make everybody follow the same system. And, and a lot of us coaches were like, what, what are we doing? Like we're taking a good thing and we're really going in a direction that is just so vehemently against everything that I thought we stood for. And it was just, it was, it was really disheartening. Um, the, the problem was that I was doing really well as far as like my career goals. I was making six figures doing what I loved. Like I thought, that that was where I wanted to be. And all of a sudden now uh, I'm with a company that's just like my moral compass was challenged every single day. Um, the automation got to a point where uh, it just reached a tipping point where not only was the actual process automated as far as like macros, you know, timing of fat loss and reverse diet and all the things that was just like, we're going to follow the same script across the board. But then the actual coaching became automated, which was really the tipping point for me. Um, this was the point where I realized that, you know, maybe this isn't what I thought it was, uh, where the system was programmed where instead of like doing a client check-in and actually writing your thoughts, you would literally just click a button and it would populate a predetermined message. And then you would just change the client name and hit send. So in other words, of the thousands of clients, every single person would basically get the same script and you would just change the name and maybe add like a couple words here and there. But essentially, uh, the entire coaching process became automated and that was the tipping point for me, um, which led to you know, kind of a, a falling out and what happened was, you know, at this time in my life, I was going through a rough patch in my marriage. So we had decided, um, my wife and my wife at the time and I had been struggling for a number of years with our relationship. And one of the things that happened was she got a job opportunity in California. Uh, we were living right outside of Philadelphia, the same area that I live right now. Um, and she got this opportunity from her, um, with her work to be relocated to get a promotion. And it was a really great opportunity. And we decided that we were going to move across the country, uh, to Newport Beach, California. And, you know, I was, I was, I'd never, you know, really been away for that, you know, like I was in college in Maryland and stayed there for five years. But for the most part, I've, I've lived uh, in this Philadelphia area for most of my life. And so it was definitely a big transition, but I was, I was kind of excited about the thought of just 
a new scene and maybe it would kind of reinvigorate our relationship and just give me something something else to kind of be excited about. And um, unfortunately, we just could not make it work. Uh, we, we learned pretty quickly. It's like when you are isolated and everything else that you've maybe had as like distractions or things that kept you comfortable, they're like taken away from you. Um, it really puts your relationship on front street. And, and we just decided that, you know what, this was not going to be um, it wasn't going to work. And, and it was, you know, fortunately for us, it was something that was very amicable. Um, it was about as clean as it can be. Now, you know, there was obviously some, some stuff that's like really challenging, like going, you know, being married for seven years and then deciding that this is not going to work. Like there's a lot of feelings of inadequacy, feeling like a failure. Um, am I good enough? Is anybody else going to like me? Like all these things. And then I have to go from, you know, we, we drove across the country, moved into our apartment. I was there about four months and then we decided that this wasn't going to work. So quickly have to, you know, move back across the country. Um, during this time, this is like the heart of when, the company that I was working for decided to go in this direction and we were just not seeing eye to eye. And I was really struggling with what to do because now all of a sudden, you know, I don't have like my, my, um, ex-wife, uh, has a really successful career. She made great money. And so now I'm going to be on my own financially and having this six figure security blanket. But this company that I like morally disagree with, it was just such a internal struggle at that time. And really like not knowing, like, do I just suck it up because I, I still get to coach nutrition, but really I, I don't because it was kind of just, you know, we're, we're glorified calculators at this point and not even calculators because it's just an automated system. And I don't even get to communicate in the way that I want to. I just have to follow this preset script. So, you know, really there, it was just the timing of it was, was so bad. Um, so anyway, I, at the time, had started to do these neurotype training groups where I took some people and just, you know, it was really from my own experience with neurotyping and having so much success with it that I, w- I wanted to share that process. And so I, with the permission of the owner, decided to start a group where we would just go through the training um, and I would explain the principles of neurotyping um, and people just loved it. Like the first group that I did, I think 100 people signed up and then the second group, like 250 people signed up because there was so much success from the first group and it really just took off and it kind of, um, it kind of took on a life of its own. And, you know, the nice part for me was that it kind of took me away from what that company was doing. Like, as I, I hate to say it, but it, it, it was like a nice distraction or change of pace where I didn't have to be so involved with the kind of cookie cutter coaching and I could do this thing on my own. And, you know, we had a 50 50 split on, on the money that was generated through the neurotype training groups. So really for the owner, like I was, basically printing him money. He didn't have to do anything at all other than let me do my thing and, and, you know, collect the money. And and so it was a nice thing that I thought, um, you know, we could keep doing and move me away from the coach type of coaching that I just didn't agree with. So it seemed like things were going to be all right. Um, and then, uh, I think just, you know, egos got in the way. And at this point in time, I, I moved back 
to the Philadelphia area, uh, went through the whole separation process. And in June of 2018, uh, we, I got a call from my sister and I will never forget that moment. I was in a small town called Yardley. That's actually where I was raised and where my family lives. Um, my, my parents still live in the house that I grew up in. And my oldest sister lives like six doors down from my parents. Anyway, I got a call from my sister and uh, she told me that our grandfather had suddenly passed away. Um, he had a heart attack unexpectedly and um, ended up passing away in the hospital. And um, I'm sorry, I'm going to try to get through this without crying too much. But um, I'll never forget that that feeling of just like this this pit in my stomach because there was so much going on in my life that just felt like it was scattered and, and out of my control and just everything was like falling apart around me. I didn't know what to do with the company I was working for. I had just come to grips with the fact that my marriage of, of seven years was over and that I had to move back, you know, and, and it was almost like, you know, there was such a big deal made about me moving out West and then just coming back. I almost felt like I was coming back with my tail between my legs. Like, yep, I, I couldn't do it. I, I failed at this. And, and just all these feelings of inadequacy. And then the like rock of our family, the, uh, my grandfather was just this, this stoic presence who always had such sage, sage advice and sound wisdom. And he was always just this steady hand for us to count on. And now to find out that he was gone and I no longer had that, that figure, that, that mentor, um, the person that I looked up to the most. And so, um, I, I was really in a bad spot and, uh, you know, not even a month later, uh, it was right around my birthday. I had this idea and I presented it to the owner where I said, look, I, I think that we're moving in two different directions. I think that the path that you're going on with the nutrition side of things is something that I just can't get on board with. And I'm not willing to uh, put my, my, more, my values on, on the back burner any longer. But I do think that we have something special here with the neurotype training. And I think what I'd like to do is pursue that side of things. So I wrote up this whole email, this whole plan on how I would take the training side of things and make it um, like a whole separate part of the company that, you know, he would continue to, to make good money off of it and I would be able to do my thing and we could just pivot me out of the nutrition coaching. And even though um, it wasn't ideal, I felt like it was something that could work. And he loved it. He actually, I was very surprised because I didn't think it would go over very well. Um, but he responded like, you know what, I think this is best for both of us. So let's do it. Um, and then a after that agreement, um, right before my birthday, my birthday's in July. So it was like literally the week before my birthday, he called me and said, um, I don't think that there's any other way that we can move forward except for me letting you go. And so he, he fired me. And it was, it was really unexpected because we just had this agreement about how we would move forward. And then not even a month later, it was about three weeks later, he um, told me that that was it. Like, we, we can't make this work. Um, the part that really sucked about that was uh, two things, really. Uh, one, the entire outline that I had for the training program, um, he decided to move forward with all of my ideas 
And even the name and everything, I had come up with the name for the program. I had come up with all the details for the program. And he basically was like, you know, screw you. I'm, I'm going to do this without you. Uh, <laughs> it's like crazy to think about, but that, that was exactly what happened. And fortunately, it crashed and burned. It, it crashed and burned. Um, it wasn't a successful thing for them. And, and sometimes I feel like, again, I think it's just ego. It's like, you know what? I don't need him. I can do this and, and not have to pay his salary and not have to split the commission and do it on my own. And, you know, and, and it didn't work out. But anyway, the other thing that happened was that I had owned two and a half percent of the company, which he refused to pay. And we got into some heated conversations about that. And um, there was a lot of screaming. Um, for those of you that know me, I don't scream. I don't raise my voice. I'm not that type of person. So it was a lot of him screaming at me and, and me just saying, you know, I just, it was just a, a big whole disagreement. Um, I felt like what he was doing was wrong on so many levels. And look, you're hearing my side of the story. I am sure that if you listen to his side of the story, maybe it would be totally different. But anyway, uh, the bottom line was when we, I had it uh, in writing that, you know, the amount that he owed me, the percent that I owned and everything, we had a whole contract agreement. And he basically said, um, to quote, then fucking sue me. And I wasn't going to do that because it wasn't worth it. And I think he knew that. So I was not going to pursue legal action. But here it was, another kind of body blow in the whole string of events that was happening at that time in my life. It was not the best summer uh, 2018 with you know going through the divorce, my grandfather passing away, and then having the carpet pulled out from under me and basically being um, you know, robbed of a, a percent ownership of, of a buyout um, from this company. And who knows what it was worth, maybe nothing. Um, so it may not be a big deal. It was more principal and just like another jab in a whole series of jabs that left me feeling pretty defeated. Um, and it was at that point in time that I said, all right, well, I, ha- I don't have any other choice. Now that the security blanket has been pulled out from under me. I don't have this six-figure salary that I can rely on. Uh, I don't have anything other than uh, what I know, my, my values. And that was when I connected the dots and I said that my company is going to stand on the back of Pop-Up and I am going to Take the values that he instilled in me, you know, integrity, transparency, relationships, connection, family. Um, you know, Pop Up was somebody that was the busiest person that you could imagine. Like, I'm talking, he would take like day trips to like Israel. He would like fly to Israel on a Friday and come back on a Sunday. He would go, you know, fly out for business in California and come back the same day. Like he was the busiest person who had so much energy, but but the thing about him was he always, always, always made time for the people that he cared about. He never missed uh, any of my tennis matches or soccer games or basketball games. He was there for everything. He was there for graduations. He was there for holidays. He He really instilled in all of us that family always comes first and it doesn't matter what you've got going on in your life, you find a way to show up for the people that you care about. Um, so 
putting all of the values that he instilled in me, uh, which is I knew that I wanted to name my company after him, which is where peak optimization performance comes into play, pop, and then I put a little squared symbol in my logo. So pop squared, which pays tribute to pop up. Um, and, and that was really what carried me through at that time, just being able to know that I was going to run my business with the values that he instilled in me. So um, it, it's crazy because it's been, gosh, so that was the summer of 2018. And now we are at the end of 2020. So, you know, it, it really, it hasn't even been three years yet. And, and pop hasn't been around three years yet. And, um, you know, something that I, I want to mention about this because I absolutely had bitterment. I had resentment. I had anger towards the company. I had, you know, the owner, especially, I felt like what he did was wrong on so many levels, not just to me, but to everybody else. Like the clients there deserved better. They didn't deserve and they don't deserve an automated, non-personalized approach. And I witnessed so much damage on a psychological level, on a physiological level, on a hormonal level, so many people that struggled. And their idea of dealing with it was to silence the struggle. If somebody posted something on the Facebook page that was negative, it would get deleted. It would never even get approved. If somebody had a complaint it, w- it was their fault. They would be the ones, uh, they would be made to uh, feel like they, it was their problem. They're, they you know, would place the blame on the client. There were so many things that I just, I f- and, and so I had all of these feelings. And I just want to say that revenge and bitterness and anger, it, it's, it's a, they're ugly feelings and they are often unfulfilling. So, I always thought that like if I could just surpass, you know, everything that they were doing, I would all of a sudden feel this sense of relief. And and I feel like, you know, I remember him telling me that I was walking away from a a $200,000 opportunity. I don't know where he got that number. I was only making a hundred. I shouldn't say only. I was making a hundred thousand dollars. I don't know where he, he said 200,000 and he made it seem like it was my choice versus his. But I remember thinking like, I just need to get my business past that $200,000. And I did that in the first year. Um, I, you know, I have no problem being honest about what we've been able to accomplish in the first year of pop. Uh, we were a half a million dollar business. And so I felt like this, Oh, look at, look at me. I, I, you know, you thought, you know, it was like this number that in my mind and I was like, I'm going to show you. And it didn't do anything for me because of the fact that it was, it was an ugly emotion that was driving it. And I always had to remind myself of the, the values of what I actually wanted my business to stand for. And that's really allowed me to come to grips with those feelings and, and forgive and not hold on to it. Like, I don't even really pay attention or know what's going on with them anymore. Um, I still have people that, that come to pop. And that's really the only way that I stay informed is like, People will still contact me and be like, "Oh yeah, I was working with this company, and you know, I just didn't have a lot of success. And I remember you from your days there, and I wanted to see." That's honestly the only connection that I still have. Um, and and I was able to just finally come to grips and and forgive and really just accept and and move on. So I, I'm only sharing that because if you are holding on to any sort of resentment or 
bitterness and you think that like revenge is going to be this really fulfilling thing, it, it's actually not. As somebody that's gone through it and has now, you know, surpassed the level of success that I could have ever imagined with, with my business, um, the rewarding part for me is that we get to help people. It's that we transform lives and that we do it the right way and that we get to pick up the pieces that were left from other programs where um, people feel felt like they couldn't be successful or there, there was no way that they could uh, figure this all out or that they could you know improve as individuals as humans and improve other areas of their life like that's the stuff that really motivates me still that that's the rewarding piece of it it has nothing to do with comparing or being like look what i did and 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 that drove me for the first year and it left me chasing something that was unfulfilling and actually you know um quite unsettling because nobody wants to have that feeling all the time and you have to be able to forgive you have to be able to let it go you have to be able to move forward so that is the full story from start to finish of, you know, and, and we're not even close to finished. And we've had um, from 2019 to 2020, I'm happy to say that 2020, we experienced a 35% growth um, increase in, in business for pop, which is pretty amazing when you think about going through a pandemic and the way that the economy has been hit and, and, you know, financial uncertainty. And really, I would say the biggest contributor is that we doubled down on family. We doubled down on community. We doubled down on being the, the, the lifeline or the life raft for our community, for our members, for our, you know, clients, our family. It, it was really, you know, we started doing things like daily group calls for anybody in our Facebook group. It didn't matter. We have two different times every single day where we would just jump on a Zoom call and, you know, have this connection and share information and support each other. Uh, you know, we really just provide as as much as we possibly could to our community, and and I would say that that's been the biggest driving factor for being able to actually thrive during this crazy year, which has definitely come with a lot of ups and downs. Uh, it for sure has not been linear, and it hasn't been smooth sailing. But I would say that you know, really anchoring. To those values, uh, you know, the the pop up values really made the biggest difference in the world. It was like remember to show up for the people that you care about, that that need you the most, that you're that support you, and that share in this vision, that believe in the in the greater mission that we're that we're after, that understand how important it is the the work that we're doing and want to be a part of it. And that's what we did. And uh, you know, we're we're really fortunate. And so um, I just wanted to share that story of. How how pop came to be. Like I said, I have never actually told the full thing from the beginning to where we are now. And I'm, I'm excited about the future because there are so many things coming that, um, you know, it, it's just, it's always an evolution. There's always a learning curve. I always look at, you know, we're never going to quote unquote make it. We're always going to be able to improve. There's a lot of things that we still need to work on. Um, I, I will always look at our clients, our community, our family as, you know, how can we e- get even better? If there's an area that is not, you know, thriving, we need to improve it. So there's a lot of things coming in the future that I think are going to, you know, continue to make us uh, really what I consider the best coaching out there. Obviously I'm biased, but 
I'm, I'm, I fully, fully believe that when it comes to personalization, when it comes to understanding the psychology of behavior change and sustainability, I don't think that anybody does it quite like we do it. There are a lot of really good coaches out there. Uh, so I always say like, you know, it's, it's become, more the norm where coaching has evolved and personalization and individualization and periodization and all these things are, are more the norm now than they ever were, which is great. Uh, but when it comes to understanding individuals, personalities, life experience, personal preferences, and like truly customizing something to create this level of long-term success, uh, I don't think that anybody is on our level as of yet. However, we are educating a lot of coaches in our methodology, which is awesome to see that that will become even more the norm that it already has become. So, uh, but I'm excited for the future. And if you have been listening to this podcast for any length of time, I don't care if this is your first episode, um, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you. Truly means the world to me that anybody would listen to what I have to say, uh, but let alone the impact that we've been able to create. And I just hope that I can have a little bit of the ripple effect that Pop-Up has had on this world. And when I think about it, it's really about the, the Pop team, my coaches, my staff. Um, if we can create that level of ripple effect, I think it has the opportunity to truly touch millions and millions of people. And I know that we'll get there. Um, and, and I just want to thank you for being a part of it. So um, this was a little bit uh, you know, of a, a vulnerable episode, as you could tell when I was talking about pop-up and, and just, you know, hopefully I was able to get that out and, and verbalize it in the way that it deserves. But please let me know. As always, I love feedback. Um, it, it really does mean the world to me when somebody takes the time out of their day to let me know that an episode helped them or impacted them or, or anything like that. So just take a screenshot if this is the case for you and post it to your stories on Instagram. And please tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. Um, and one thing that I can say for sure about 2021 is you will be hearing more quality on the podcast because I've got a great setup that is almost finished in my new office. Um, so the quality of sound will be improving. Uh, the episode frequency will be increasing. And I hope that the growth will continue to happen. So the best thing from, for, uh, the best thing or, or the ask that I have of you is if you could just share the episode, share this podcast with just one person who you think would benefit from it, that would be amazing. And then if you could also leave a five star rating and review on iTunes, that will help, uh, for more people to find us. So thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you very soon.